My friend, this is Joe Bakmotsky. I want to welcome you into this conversation of healing from trauma. Today, I have the honor and pleasure of speaking with the indomitable Donna Lyon, survivor, founder of Left, Right, Hook, a friend, and just a beautiful human being who's helping so many people who've been through abuse. Um, we're going to talk about Donna's own journey and the program that she has created to bring together writing and boxing in a way that helps people heal. Um, Donna, first, I want to thank you because you changed my life. Uh, meeting you and hearing your story made me reconnect with my own story of going through rape as a child and put me on a path towards healing. So from the bottom of my heart, I, I, I want to thank you. And I'm just so excited to be talking to you today. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Joe. And um, yeah, I'm just in this room, which is like motion detectives uh, detected. So like with the lights, it's going to go keep going on and off. And so occasionally I'm going to be waving my hands around like a mad woman. But um, look, it's really terrific to be here. And, um, you know, even though you say that, like, I changed your life, I think, you know, I'm not sure. I, I think, you know, I was a, a catalyst for change for sure, but I want to really call out that you were the one that did that because I suggested you reached out to me. I just met you. Uh, you know, you, I suggested a couple of things and I, I certainly suggested strongly that you needed to start the healing journey around your sexual abuse, but you went and then did the work. I didn't do that you did it and um i just think that's really important to acknowledge thank you donna now this journey of healing from trauma it's uh it's vital but it's also as we know <laughs> it ain't easy is it so donna your own personal journey towards healing where did it start for you um look it probably started um I probably started in in my early 30s when I got sober and that's really where I kind of hit the rock bottom that they kind of, you know, talk about um, and I got into recovery. And I knew it wasn't until my mid-20s that I remembered being abused. Before that, I had absolutely no idea. I, I think I had all the symptoms, I had all the signs, but I had absolutely no memory if you had have asked me how my childhood was I would have just said it was good really monosyllabic I didn't have a lot of memory I didn't I didn't really even remember my childhood a lot of amnesia around uh, my past and uh, so I met a woman at a party she relayed a story of her own abuse and um, something she said that night just unlocked memories inside me. And I remember just kind of going to the bathroom and the room just started spinning. And it, I wasn't, it wasn't because of alcohol. It was something she said. And I, I turned to my partner at the time and I said, I, I, I need you to take me home. And I got in the car and I just started crying. And I, and it was like these tears unlocked like from something so deep inside me like I still almost like I can't describe that feeling of that that well it was like it was just this buried emotion and I knew something had bad had happened to me I knew that I'd been sexually abused and 
but I, I, I couldn't understand why I couldn't remember that and I and and why I was like in denial or had repression of memory or amnesia and like I didn't understand that that was a phenomenon that that's a thing that dissociation happens and um so you know, then it took like really, so, so, so I woke up the next day and I was like, right, you know, uh, I'm going to, uh, heal like something bad's happened to me. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to get better. And the more that I tried to do like to do that, to fix it, whatever that kind of means, the worse actually it got, because actually at that time I didn't have effective coping mechanisms. So to sit with the feelings that were coming up and there was a lot of memory that was coming up, a lot of um, regression. I was uh, going into child parts. I was having bodily memory, shivering and shaking. Um, The trauma was kind of uh, replaying, I guess. Um, But the more that that kind of happened, the more kind of ill-equipped I was. Um, And I, my coping mechanism at that time was alcohol. So that was until really I addressed that which was about 30, 31, um, that's, uh, I think, not when uh, that that was, you know, the healing couldn't have happened uh, properly. So I was dabbling in that healing space. I was really wanting to get better, get well, but I was also doing it through a lot of like new age practices, really self-help. And, you know, at the end of the day, I just kind of needed to surrender. I needed to surrender to the fact that like I was a, a kind of a victim. I needed to admit that and I needed to go and get help. And uh, and I did. And I think that process of healing has taken, you know, it's taken over 10 years um, and, you know, probably took a few, quite a few years to stabilise. Um, but, yeah, I think not drinking and getting recovery for that as well um, really helped. Absolutely, Donna. And so it's, so you, you were talking about body memories, you were talking about uh, experiencing things and not really being able to relate what it was. Was there a point when you could start putting your experiences into words, even to yourself? Um, it's a good question. Not really. I mean, yes or no. I think, you know, for me, uh, it was mostly fragments. And so, again, you know, it, it took it, it took a very long time to uh, find language um, to express uh, what happened to me. And even now it's not linear, it's uh, fragmented, it's dissociative, um, it's held in parts of me, you know, parts of my brain essentially that, um, you know, uh, have the trauma memory. Um, so it's not necessarily accessible in an everyday uh, conscious uh, state. And in some respects that's really good because actually I think I'm really high-functioning and I think it's that dissociation that has really protected me um, and allowed me to, um, yeah, I guess, function in the world in a, in a, in a pretty uh, capable way. Um, and uh, so I think, yes, in, in some respects, the language came the more that I did the work. And so the language came through um, working with my therapist, but the language came through drawing. The language came through um, fragmented pieces of writing. It didn't necessarily come out as a full-blown, you know, oh, at this age I was wearing this, I was in this location and this person came, you know, like it just didn't, it didn't happen like that. Um, and I think my experience is very common. I think it's often um, dismissed. 
Um, but I think by psychologists and trauma and those who are experts in the field of trauma, like Bessel van der Kolk, Judith Herman, um, you know, they validate that experience um, and memory uh, relocation um, in a way that to me is really validating. And my therapist also really validated that process. Um, we used creative, imaginal ways to bypass my conscious mind to, um, you know, get into, you know, really buried uh, memories. But also that was also really hard, Joe, because um, uh, it, that brought up a lot of dysregulation and fear. And so I had to go super slowly. Like this was not a, um, you know, it took me about five, I was reflecting on it with someone uh, on an email this morning, like it took about five years for me to really trust my therapist. Uh, I was in a heightened state of fear. Sometimes I sit in her office and I, in order for me to locate memory or go into some sort of vulnerable state, I had to sit behind a chair. So away from her, my back to her, behind a chair in order to talk to her because I literally did not want her to see me. I felt so disgusted and full of shame. And like that was the intensity of the state. Sometimes I'd go to her office and fall asleep because I was just like I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't process anything. I'd just fall asleep. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm paying, you know, 70 bucks or whatever it is an hour, you know, just to go to someone's office and fall asleep. Like, you know, I didn't want to do that. Like I, I wanted to kind of, you know, have a really meaningful uh, experience. And so but I had to ride through those waves and just see that it was part of a bigger journey. And, you know, if you had told me, oh, you'd be in therapy for 10 years, I'd be like, no, I won't. I will be going through. I'll be going through that journey in two years. Thank you very much, and I will be completely healed and amazing. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't wouldn't have been in it if it, if I had known. But it uh, has taken that long. It continues to to be something that I dedicate, you know, a weekly effort to. And um, you know, but things have certainly shifted. And it's a powerful way that you describe it, Donna. I really love the fact that it's. You know, we're not talking about it being some easy thing and, you know, because it's that's why we talk about this idea of a journey, right? That it's it's it, it's 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 something that takes time and it's hard. And but at the same time, I think it's really powerful because it means that you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be this figure everything out instantly. Sometimes it's like one step forward and sometimes it's two steps back. And, and it's a journey where you go through the process what is figuring out what's right for you and and you don't you this you talk about there's so many twists and turns to, to your journey the way that you talk mm. about it right i want to talk about what are the moments where that you you're proud of the most the moments where you sense something started shifting for you mm, that's such a great question um i think I, i'm really proud of the effort that I put in um, and I didn't give up. So, like, I went kind of like all guns blazing with my mental health. Like, you name it, I was doing it every day. You know, sometimes every minute of the day I was doing it and I needed to do that because otherwise I really felt like I was going to commit suicide. Um, I was living with suicidal ideation for at least two years. I mean, I've lived with it for probably about 20 years, to be honest, um, but it was very, very persistent. It's now not as persistent. Um, 
And so I'm just proud that like I I I didn't just do one thing. You know, I was therapy. I was twelve step programs. Um, I was uh, and doing all the work that's associated with that. I was doing at that time prayer ministry. I was um, uh, you know, just getting up and uh, reading and 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 praying and um, writing and calling people and um you know just yeah just exercising and you know all of this kind of stuff to kind of basically change my life um and get better and get a sort of st- a stable foundation so um i'm i'm proud that i did that and i think that if you are going to do this journey you have to commit like 180 like 200% you know to it like it's not just one day a week that you go and see someone it's every day you got to do something um, and when I don't do something every day, I find that like I, I can rest on my laurels now, right? Like, uh, you know, it's like, ah, you know, I just, I don't really need to do it every day. You know, I just, doesn't really matter. I'm, I'm better now. Um, and then I start going down, you know, and I fall into a depression, um, or, you know, the negative thinking or the shame, you know, all of that. So I have to be really militant about it. And, you know, look, I'm not, don't get me wrong. I'm not Miss Perfect. Like, you know, I, I, I'm, I say that with the caveat, you know, like, um, I didn't ground myself this morning, for example. Um, you know, I got up, I had, I was rushing around. I've been busy, but uh, it's at the forefront of my mind, I think is, is, is the point. And, um, mostly I, I am doing something every day. You rock, Donna. And listen, I love that you speak to your journey and that commitment that you make to yourself because that's so vital to us going through trauma and being on the journey towards healing because it's hard. I mean, so when you are, like, if, if when you think back on yourself and being in those difficult moments when you, you, you're just trying to get through and you have all of these crazy thoughts and all of these difficult moments that come up for you as you're trying to, to make your way through and, 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 and get through it and move towards healing. If you were to go back to your version, uh, the younger version of yourself who was struggling through the journey at particular tough moments, what would you say to yourself? Oh, that's such a hard question. All right, so you're asking me to go back in time and say what to my younger person? <laughs> Notice how yeah. I, need, I, I need you to tell me the words. Um, I would say to her, um, and, you know, it's hard, like, I think, I don't know, I would say to her, um, I've got you. And um, I'm not going to put you in danger you know I like we're yeah I, I've got you Donna when we met you used um the word survivor and for me it was such it's just it's something that like went through me like like this kind of like a charge of thunder because I knew it meant something and it really changed my identity and realizing who I was. This word survivor, what does it mean to you? Um, I don't know. Like I think I, I guess by default I've I say it and and own it. 
Um, but I'm not sure I have a, like a super like deep connection with the word. Um, but I can also understand the grappling that goes with it. Like, you know, when I was 26, 27, I went off to a, uh, like sexual abuse kind of camp. Sounds a bit funny, doesn't it? But like, you know, it was a healing camp. Um, but it was a beautiful, beautiful, um, healing camp. And, um, they used the word you know, survivor. And like at that time, like I just remember like, oh my God, like I can't say that, you know, so I felt like that disconnection. And so I do understand what that's like, but I think, yeah, probably over the last six, seven years, you know, it just become, has become part of my everyday vernacular. Um, And so I think I say it yeah, with just because I don't know if there's another word to describe it, but I think that we did um, survive um, something, you know, uh, and 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 that could be could have been one time or ongoing. Um, really, hurt, something really horrific, and and that yeah, I think there's a strength that can come with that naming and that recognition um and I, I you know I'm pretty out now like about being a survivor of child sexual abuse because I don't and I think like yeah it was really hard to lay claim to that to begin you know I might have cried for ages while you know when I said it or gulped and or went away and felt so in such intense shame um or woke up just feeling gross about like that admission but now I don't feel like that because, you know, the more I say it, it's like, well, it's not like I, I, I was sitting there as a child going, oh, you know, please, sir, you know, d- sexually abuse me. It's like that that was not my fault, you know, that I was a victim then. Um, and then as an adult now, um, I have survived that because I'm alive and I can reclaim. It's my right. It's my need to reclaim uh, what was taken away from me. And I love that you just put it in those words and you speak to the journey of, of realizing what that is and who you are deep on the inside and, and seeking that uh, support and seeking to find words that describe that experience for you as well. Mm. <laughs> you know, Don, I remember when we, we, we met and, you know, uh, you asked me if I've done therapy. I said, I did. And then you said, you're going to love it. And I was like, <laughs> hold on a second. I don't think that's going to happen. And, you know, uh, but since then, I feel like, you know, I've, I'm going through that experience and I will be going through some, for some time to come. And I am loving it. And, <laughs> and I think it's just so crucial to us going on that healing journey. So with your own experience and everything that you know about therapy and, and everything that can support you on leading a happier and and more fulfilled life. If you've been through struggle and abuse, like what's the one thing that you wish that people knew about therapy? 
Um, oh, look, that's a hard question because, like, I do know, like, I know a few survivors that, like, have, have had really bad experiences in therapy. So I think it's important to, like, also really call that out. You know, like, I know survivors that have been abused by their therapists. So therapy wow. for them isn't safe. Wow. And so I think it's really important to say, like, my experience, you know, I'm, I feel really lucky. Like, yeah, it did take me. It took me six years to find the right therapist. It took me six years. Um, and the woman that I've got now, you know, is incredible and I feel really lucky. Like it felt, it, I knew instinctively and, like, I guess I was one of those people that just sort of maybe like had a bit of an intuition and a gut. And I was like, I just feel like, you know, even though like when I, I remember speaking to her on the phone and I was kind of like, oh, God, she sounds a bit, I don't know serious or mean or something you know but I just like just do it go you know get just don't create a narrative around that and you know I've been with her for 10 years ongoing so but 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 that's not everybody's experience and two I think it's really important so 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 to but to answer your question what what I think one what people should know or something like that is that I think if you are a survivor of child sexual abuse uh you will you've likely uh, experienced dissociation um, or, you know, fragments of memories or, you know, et cetera, you need to be with somebody that's experienced in that. You know, somebody who's complex PTSD, dissociation um, and sexual abuse because it's very specific. And we need people that are like you. I, I just that to me would be absolutely non-negotiable. Um, yeah, my, my therapist is is experienced with a particular type of abuse, which is my abuse, and that is um, I've just needed that. It's been so validating for me. Um, and my problem was before with the six-year journey wasn't that people were ineffective. It's just that they they were not seeing the symptoms and the stories like of what I was doing, experiencing and saying. They weren't saying, oh, that equals, you know, dissociation. That equals a particular type of abuse. That's a problem. That shits me, actually, um, because that's like six years, you know, like left kind of untreated in a sense. So I kind of didn't really answer your question. but No, but it's, I think you speak to the, to the vital point that you have to find the person who's going to be right for you. Right? And that's true for everything in life. That's true for, you know, if you want to fall in love, if you want to make friends. But it's also true when you want to find a therapist. Like, and sometimes it is, you know, it, it takes time to figure out who's yeah. going to be the person who's going to be there on your journey, right? And, and sometimes it's, it's about using your intuition, like, like you were doing. Sometimes it, it is going through sometimes people who might not understand, you know, where you're at or how to best mm. support you, right? Yeah, exactly. And like also too, you know, acknowledging that therapy is expensive. Um, you know, I've got a therapist that's actually like a low cost operator. So um, uh, meaning that most people have to go on a mental health scheme. This is in Australia and, you know, you might have international listeners, but, you know, in Australia, most people are on a mental health scheme, which is like what, 10 sessions a year. I think they changed it just to, to, to something more, but um, you know, where you get a set number of sessions per year and you get subsidized, um, I never went that route, right? I was just like, I didn't trust it. I didn't want to share my, like, I just didn't feel that that was right. I just went off on my own journey. I found someone and, you know, thank God, like I found someone that, you know, I pay like 70 bucks a week 
uh, cash. I should, yeah, it doesn't really matter. It's not like I'm saying a name, but um, <laughs> but the but the, the the you know the point is, I I can afford that. I can afford seventy dollars a week, right? But some people can't, and you know it's and so I think that's you know that's hard and sad because I do I genuinely do believe in therapy, and I believe in having like I think having a team of supporters around you, and I think you've got to advocate for that. You got to find that. Uh, people that you're willing to trust, that you're willing to commit to, that you're willing to see. But I think there's other types of um, healing um, avenues. Um, but I think a therapist for me can just stabilise me in ways that I think is really important to being able to operate in a um, uh, in a way that I do these days. And I love that you bring about you know, supporters and having like a team around you that is supporting you on your healing journey. So um, what's helped you uh, and how do you go about putting together a team of, of people around you that you can trust to maybe open up with your story mm-hmm. or that can support you in, in ways that you are leading your everyday life? Yeah, I mean, I think that's where the kind of individual uh, journey um, comes in and that uh, you get to decide that. And um, I guess for me, like that started with 12-step programs um, and, you know, which is a a dollar a kind of, you know, in a in a sort of basket that you pay. And um, and so I I went into the rooms because I was desperate and, uh, you know, I needed sobriety and, and other afflictions that came with also um, uh, the abuse, you know, everything from um, relationships and, you know, uh, all the rest, other addictions that were coming up in my life. Um, so it's a bit of a kind of you name that I've done it, you know, I've tried it. Um, <laughs> but um, I just went along and those were low-cost uh, group environments that uh, where a bunch of people were getting up, sharing stories about healing and recovery. And what that did was that helped to give me a language for how I felt and how I thought, because I didn't know Joe. I was very dissociated and very disconnected. Like I couldn't speak the way that I'm speaking now 10 years ago. Um, you know, it's taken a while to really kind of clearly express myself. Um and so, so that, um, and you know, and I think also too, like I, I, I think I say that like with a slight caveat of like also those environments can be um, transient. They don't have to be um, the like. I don't do those environments. I don't go to those environments anymore. But they were really pivotal at one point in my life. There's other groups like Smart Recovery um, or, you know, whatever it is, right? So you just, I, I think groups are really important is my point. Groups where people come together to talk, to share, to express their inner feelings and thoughts and worlds um, because it helps you relate, identify and seek some solidarity. You're not alone. Then you look at someone and you go, shit, mate, they've got it a lot worse than me. I'm okay, you know. Um, so it helps you put things into context too. So that, and then also too, you know, I um, uh, I was lucky to, you know, uh, get a really good job and um, I started studying. So I, I started doing my PhD. So that was happening like for six years alongside my recovery. And that, you know, was a really huge transformational journey for me. Um, you know, it was difficult, but it was always something I kind of fell back on. So like education and learning 
um, was a huge value of mine and um, I think has been vital in terms of me remaining interested in the world and enriching my life in ways that are outside of just dealing with this really heavy stuff. Um, and I think too that, you know, um, uh, you know, my journey also uh, incorporates boxing um, and, you know, obviously, you, you know, you said I, I set up left, right hook, which I did. And, um, and that's, I found boxing because I had like a lot of rage and a lot of anger came, come up and I was like, okay, that's great. Cause I've been basically a depressive for years. Feeling is good. Right. Uh, so, you know, but geez, I want to go and smash a shit out of something, you know? <laughs> and so I was like, I better, I better go do something about that. So I went to a boxing gym and, um, you know, started boxing. And then that became this incredibly powerful, um, recovery tool where I began to kind of, you know, find empowerment, um, you know, through boxing as a, as a form of, of physical expression. Yeah, that's powerful. And I loved on it because it, and you speak to the fact that, yes, it does take so much courage to go out and seek groups or seek out basically connections so that you do feel understood so that, and that you can understand your own journey and your own feelings and find the language to be able to express who you really are. And as you say, like there's different ways to 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 complement you know, that healing journey, which is always take, takes these courageous steps. And, you know, you found that in boxing, which has been like just so transformative for you, which is, um, and that has led towards, you know, creating left, right hook. So let's, let's dive into that because it's just, Donnie, you're, 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 you're making such a world of difference for survivors with this program. And, and this is not, it's not just a project. This is your life's work because this is, this is what you've been through. This is what you live. So um, how did it come together? Because you were doing boxing. How did that transition into left, right hook? <laughs> well, it probably transitioned because I went on a, I went, so I started boxing and then I started fighting and within like three, four months I was fighting. And, you know, that, <laughs> you yeah. And again, that's probably just the kind of addict part of me. I'm like, yeah, you know, go in there and, you know, be really dramatic with it. But look, I, that, and that was about an 18-month journey of kind of getting in the ring and reliving trauma and dissociation and trying to beat the dissociation and all this kind of stuff. But at the end of that journey, because uh, I clocked up quite a lot of losses and that wasn't good because when I it was I loved the training and I loved the, the the empowerment side of the training. But as soon as I took it into that kind of competitive space, because I didn't really have a strategy, it wasn't like I was going, oh, I'm going to be a champion boxer, you know, I was just kind of doing it for fun. Um, but, you know, the win-lose and then I was losing um, was really bad for my mental health because it was like, oh, see, you're a loser. See, you can't win. See, you're not very good. And so that tape started to really come up quite quite high and that was not good because actually boxing was really positive for me. And so I came back to the end of that fighting. I was like, look, what am I doing this for? You know, I'm obviously not a, a successful champion fighter um you know yeah it would have been great to kind of you know say I was a winner but I'm not um and maybe that's not really why I'm doing this um what 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 am I doing this for and it was like well I do really like boxing and so yeah I might not be this great champion in a ring and um but I I am a good fighter like I know what I'm doing I've got skill and um I'm just 
in performance mode, I'm, you know, that's where I'm not great, but like actually in training and everything, you know, this is, I really enjoy this. I want to work with other women like me, other survivors. I want to share what this experience is like, but I didn't feel like I was a champion. So I couldn't go, oh, I'll teach you boxing. You know, I'm a winner, you know? So it was like, well, what can I do that's different? You know, like um, maybe I don't teach boxing um, for survivors because, um, I don't feel super confident in in that in that as that identity. But well, I am an arts practitioner. I'm an educator. You know, I've been a filmmaker for years. So what can I do that's different? Well, why don't I bring in an art practice writing um, as a modality? Um, and because also too that that like going back to that twelve step stuff, like that was foundational in my recovery because it was about sharing stories. And that, and I didn't just want to teach people boxing; I wanted to actually really talk to other survivors. I wanted to connect with them. And so I thought, well, I'll set up, you know. And this kind of title came to me, you know, uh, like left right hook. You know, the right is writing. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I like that. And so I'm just going to set up a grassroots program at my local boxing gym, and I put it out there and picked a date and advertised it in my local newspaper writing plus boxing I'm going to run it didn't know what I was doing nothing uh all of a sudden you know get some calls and people are signing up great it's happening you know and we do the program and it's really powerful um and then we do I did a second program and then I because I work at uh, the University of Melbourne I was like oh this would make a really interesting like research project um and, uh, you know, we should like see, like we should get some people on board who are experts and trying to test and measure, like, is this program actually does it work? Um, and so we did. And um, but we but also I wanted to do that uh, research project, but also with the same group of participants, I thought I also really want to make a documentary film like that would be really cool. And I want to do a book as well. So, like, I'm going to do it all together. Right. Um, and so over eight, eight weeks, we tested and measured the program there was a tick reduction in PTSD, reduction in depression, stress, and an increase in personal agency and resilience. Amazing, right? Now, Joe, that is also two weeks into that program, we pivoted online because we were in COVID, right? So this is eight weeks and six of those weeks were in people's bedrooms or lounge rooms, right? So it's really remarkable. So with that same group of participants, I kept working with them for two years because um, we the filming was compromised and we didn't want to do a Zoom documentary. How boring is that? Um, <laughs> and so um, uh, we uh, sought funding and that's a whole different kind of story, but also we produced a book of writings um, because I worked with the same group of survivors for a year um, over eight-week programs and we made a book together. Um, and, and published our writings that were generated from those boxing rounds. And um, now we've got a documentary that's just kind of going gangbusters and it's just in post-production at the moment. will be released at a big festival next year. Um, and uh, and so from that, because uh, it's just such a big kind of story, isn't it? Like um, I, as we were seeking funding for that, people were like, oh, that's great. That documentary seems really interesting, but what are you going to do about the program? Because when people see the documentary, they're going to want to do the program. I'm like, I'm going to set up a program. Uh, and so uh, that's what I've been doing over the last uh, 12 months. And we set up a charity in December of last year um, and just slowly training up trainers and getting other people to help run the program so it's not just me. Um, and, you know, it's just been an incredible ride. And, um, 
yeah, kind of really changed my, I guess, the, the direction of my life um, without kind of necessarily having a big plan in place. Yeah, I love hearing that, Donna. And I love just the fact that you also talk about it, that it was a process for you to figure out, like, how do I take this whole boxing thing and how do I use it in a way that that just speaks to me now? And I also love the fact that you just you decided to just do it, right? And sometimes life... That's how it is, right? Sometimes you don't have all the answers and you go, you know what? The hell with it. I'm just, I'm just going to do something and see what happens. And then that led you towards, towards this also a journey of figuring out like, you know, now it's, it's evolved into this research project and it's evolved into the documentary and the book, which is, I think is so powerful. And I remember reading in your book, uh, you know, here it is. I know, I was going to say I should have brought a copy and hold it up, but you've got one. <laughs> That's it. You should be doing that, though. You should just know, it yeah. about you, uh, just carrying it around. And I know that in the book, because it was about, you know, doing this work and it, it was about writing. And in the book, you know, you, you, you kind of had, I think, a prompt about, like, you know, why are you back here, right? Because you had a number of mm-hmm. rounds and it, it was obviously a program, right? And in, in there, you say, I'm here because... I need to bandage my soul. Mm. And I love I love hearing that because it's it's just it's personal to you. You're still doing it because this real to you. So tell me, Donna, what does it what does it really mean to you? But still to be doing this now and taking it where you're going with it. Um Yeah, it's it's I don't know. I think it just it's like as though I feel like I'm still trying to bring all the pieces that were lost like back together. Um, and so it just means like it's a, um, I'm just still finding parts of myself through the process. And, um, you know, I don't feel like I don't feel healed. I feel like there's still a, like quite a long way for me to go. Um, but I definitely feel like probably the strongest that I've ever felt in my recovery. Um, but it's, you know, it's just like different layers. And um, so I think I'm still doing the work and and want to do the work in this way um, because, yeah, it helps me to connect to layers of myself that have been deeply hidden um, and repressed. Um, and I find a lot of strength and solidarity in um, in doing the work and meeting other survivors and I just really feel their pain in a way that I think also allows me to connect with my pain and I think because I was so dissociated for so long and I mean I still am um, that you know there's still a lot of like grieving that goes with that um, around um, yeah I kind of lost lost memory, a lost sense of self, a lost identity. Um, yeah. That's powerful, Donna. Um, if someone wanted to find out more about the program, maybe join one of the workshops, um, what would they do? They can come to Left Right Hook, so W-R-I-T-E, leftrighthook.com. Um, just fill out the contact um, form. They can um, find us on Instagram or Facebook. Um, and, yeah, just reach out. You know, really we're early startup. 
um, growing and, you know, gaining a lot of support. But I think, you know, I feel a lot of, um, I feel a lot of hope and optimism uh, that um, the program's moving in the right direction to empower survivors and connect people. Um, and I think also to like really break that silence that's so inherent in child sexual abuse um, and the shame, essentially. You know, it's not the person's fault that this happened to them. Um, and yet it just has such a profound um, really negative effect on people's psyche and development of self. And I just have, I feel I have a responsibility to um, help people, you know, move through that. Um, and I do believe in community and I believe, um, yeah, in a strengths-based approach. And I think it's, and I and I believe, like, even though it's really hard, sometimes, like, you know, you get trapped, I get trapped in that sense of darkness and lack of hope and, you know, futility. But, like, I do really believe that, like, the light is stronger and I just got to keep kind of holding on to that. Good on you, Donna. You're taking your pain and your struggle and your healing and you use it to help others. Um, I love that. And just thank you for what you do in the world. Thank you, Joe. Back at you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Donna. It's a pleasure. Thanks. Thank you for being here, my friend. I want to deeply honor your life, your story, and where you are today. And it's my hope that this show, it, it serves you in some way, because I believe that we are all just capable of so much more than we think sometimes. And, and, and this incredible potential of what we are capable of and leading a life that you're proud of, that you're excited by, what I tell myself, so tell my loved ones. That's what I'm here, just sharing this, this with you, right? And I have this vision. I have this vision for bringing together survivors. Survivors of trauma, of difficult experience, of difficult circumstance, whether that's going through sexual abuse, domestic violence, living with illness, going through war, bringing together people who've been through it or are living through difficult times, their loved ones, so we can come together to give, give our best in our lives, in, in, with our loved ones, in our communities, in our work, to grow, to grow towards our dreams, towards our hopes, towards our desires, and to heal, to heal from difficulties and struggle, and making sense of what's right for you today. That's why I'm here. That's why I wrote my book, Finding Hope in Times of Uncertainty, a guide to thriving in a challenging world of today. And if this vision, just if it speaks to you in some way, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear from you if you could email me at joe at powertobehappy.com. That's J-O-E at powertobehappy.com. Whatever you want to say, I'd, I'd love to hear from you. Please let me know what you think. And thank you again so much for being here today. I'll speak to you next time.